The Sexually Liberated Woman is supported by Shockrubs. Shockrubs makes beautiful handcrafted sex toys from 100% pure crystal. Crystals are a natural, earth-made material that help to awaken higher levels of consciousness, work through emotional imbalances, and heal deep core wounding. Take all of that, put it in sex toy form, and you've got yourself a mighty orgasmic tool. I've been using my Solid Rose Quartz Chakrub for a few years now, which is this really beautiful, soft pink-colored crystal that helps me cultivate self-love, opens my heart chakra, and heightens my capacity to feel pleasure. And my orgasms are incredible. So if you want to bring sacredness, playfulness, and a little witchiness to your erotic life, head to shockrubs.com and use the code LIBERATION to get 10% off your purchase. All of Shockrub's products are ethically sourced and are GIA certified, which means you're getting the highest quality crystals that are safe for you to use internally. And Shockrubs doesn't just have crystal dildos. They've got butt plugs, curved wands, even yoni eggs, all in various crystal forms like amethyst, clear quartz, white jade, and black obsidian. And if nothing else, they make a beautiful addition to your altar space. So again, that's C-H-A-K-R-U-B-S dot com, promo code LIBERATION for 10% off your next purchase. Tell them Evian sent you, and may your orgasms be plentiful. Hey everyone, I'm Evian Whitney, and welcome to another episode of the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. So recently, I got on the phone with my friend Rashida Khan Bay, who teaches striptease and erotic dance as a method of reclaiming and connecting to your sexual body and sensuality. Rashida's been in my circle for years now, pretty much since I started my blog, Sex Love Liberation. Actually, fun fact, she was the first who introduced me to chakras, those crystal dildos you keep hearing me talking about. I'm pretty familiar with Rashida's work, but I really wanted to sit down and chat with her about her personal story, like how it was she began teaching erotic dance and the process she went through within herself to get to a place of confidence in her own body. We talked about her queer identity and how coming to a place of acceptance of that queer identity informed her dance practice and the way she saw herself as a sexual being. We talked about God and how to merge the erotic with the spiritual, which honestly was one of my favorite moments of our conversation. We also talked about how you can create an erotic dance practice of your own, starting with some easy movements that work with most body types. Rashida actually gives us a little lesson in this episode and describes some of the moves that you can try. There's so much more in here and I could go on and on, but I'm just going to let you get into it. Enjoy the episode. I'm really excited to talk to you today and I'm really interested in hearing more about your story. I mean, you are a striptease teacher and you're doing some incredibly amazing and empowering work, but it's not like you just woke up one day and was like, hey, I'm really 
okay with my body and I love the way that it looks and I'm gonna teach people striptease. Tell me about your self-love journey and how did you end up here? Ooh. <laughs> I know it's a loaded um, question. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, I love it. I love it. I love that. I actually love sharing this story. Um, so I was in college and I was going through like a really tough breakup and um, like the guy, like he did like crazy stuff. Like he was cheating on me with like a lot of people on his campus and I was just really devastated. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something good for myself uh, this coming summer. And I was like, in the study abroad office, like the day after I found all of this out and decided that I was going to do a study abroad to Salvador de Bahia, Brazil. So I was going to be there for three months. And this is actually would have been my second time going because I had the opportunity to um, do a sojourn in Brazil with my church when I was like a preteen or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, you know, I'm going to Brazil and I really wanted to wear a bikini because I've never worn a bikini in my life. Um, I have always been like, one, I've, all, I've, I've danced all my life, literally since the age of two. I've just been training and then in my first pre-professional company at the age of seven. So it's just like that. It's just being like in my body has always kind of been a thing, but um being like bigger than a lot of the other girls, especially, you know, at certain points I was getting, you know, a lot of nasty commentary around my body, but because I was in, had been like ingrained in like performance mode, I just kept pushing forward and really never like took a chance to stop and process that information. I just kept like bulldozing forward because that's, you know, what you're supposed to do when you're a performer. And so I'm like, I want to wear a bikini. And I know I've always been told that, like, you can only wear a bikini, like, if your stomach's flat, if you have nice arms, if your legs don't jiggle, if you've got a great ass, like, you know, just like all of these little things. So on top of wanting to wear a bikini, I wanted to wear a Brazilian bikini. And if you don't know what a Brazilian bikini looks like, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nothing. And so... You know, I was a young adult. I was like, I'm in Brazil. I'm going to be in this country, like, with a group of other people who are, like, close to my age. So it's not like, you know, I don't have to worry about someone trying to, like, control um, this experience that I'm going to have. And also, I had, while we were there, I was seeing so many women who had bodies like mine, who had, like, big, beautiful hips and just, like, voluptuous breasts and just, like, out there on the beach in a bikini. And I'm like, this is normal. Um, like, I need to do this. So um, I got, I put my bikini on and I was walking down the beach and I was, like, I was really feeling myself. And I remember this guy stopped his, like, entire soccer game and bowed at my feet. Oh. And it was, <laughs> it was what? Such, I, I know, right? <laughs> he literally bowed at wait, my feet. Wait, wait, wait. So I'm just trying to picture this in my head. Like you're walking down the beach and this guy is playing a soccer game yes. with other people. You've never seen this guy before. Never in my and life. he takes one look at you and what he like walks over and just bows at your feet? Yes. <laughs> literally. <laughs> A friend of mine is walking with me, this guy from the program, and he's like, yo, you got men just like bowing at your feet now? <laughs> I, was like, 
<laughs> I guess so. And so the man was like super respectful. Like he wasn't like trying to like invade my personal space. He wasn't like making obscene comments at me or anything like that. It was, you know, it was very different from the attention that I've gotten towards my body, even as a young girl, like just walking down the streets of Chicago, you know, it wasn't like a cat calling experience. Like it was genuinely like he was recognizing that, you know, who I really was. And he just kept gesturing to my body, like doing like, you know, like the hips. And he was just like, you're such a beautiful Bayana. And I was like, I'm actually not from Bahia. Mm. Like I'm from Chicago. And um, that moment was just really beautiful for me. And then also, like I said, like seeing other women in, you know, outside of this Western gaze, like the norm for your body isn't like, or the norm for like what's beautiful isn't just like thin, white, you know, it's it's not what it is here, like in the West or what it has been. And so to be able to be in a place where my body was just like, was literally praised, gave me like, you know, I, I took the step forward myself to like, you know, want to have that experience, but also having that affirmation that like, you know, like you are beautiful, like, and wanted and desired. It gave me even more ammo to just, you know, continue to explore what that would look like. So for the duration of our trip, I was just, you know, I was wearing crop tops and short shorts. I think I, I I don't think I really wore much of what I brought with me. I, you know, I, I bought a few extra pieces and I just was, you know, I was just kind of trying to go with the flow and really embrace this time where I could walk down the street with a not flat stomach and a crop top top and like feel like like a bombshell yeah so I got home and I wasn't exactly sure like how that would all translate like being back you know in within this culture and for whatever reason mentally I was just like I don't care (laughs) you know I was like wearing my crop tops and my white pants and you know my short skirts and you know all of these things that just really enhanced like my experience of my body I you know was still doing that here and I wanted to create a safe space for the women within my university department because I was a theater major and I just you know so we were all used to like taking movement classes and doing like really weird stuff together so I was like hey like I'd like to host a you know a class um in our you know one of our studio spaces like who would like to come and I hosted a couple times and the classes just got full and I used a lot of the movement like uh, moving meditation practice that we had already had as a language between us from our studying. Um, But then I started injecting like Brazilian Samba in there and then like some contemporary movement. And then slowly but surely it started to become an erotic dance experience. And somehow word got out that I was teaching some weird Brazilian Samba contemporary women yelling (laughs) class. (laughs) And I started getting invitations to teach around the city Mm. um, at different studios and I mean the rest is history like uh, I started teaching tees and then lap dance and then pole and I went back to tees and I was really enamored with this beginning process um, 
a lot of times, like most pole studios have like an intro poll or intro to tease class. And I always found that class in particular really beautiful in comparison to like the more advanced levels because it was that it was the initial point where a woman was like trying to wake her body up. Mm. So for me, like, I just, I just went all out in teaching those classes and, you know, giving them that new language to wake their bodies up in a way that felt pleasurable and like getting them out of that mindset of it being like a fitness experience, but it really just being, um, this exercise in awareness and in self-pleasure and, um, yeah. And so it started from there and then that language kind of, you know, over literally like the last eight or nine years. It's become its own language um, for striptease and floor work and, you know, trying to integrate it with like really beautiful spiritual intentions of embracing your body and shedding the, sh- the stuff, you know, that yeah. gets in the way of our pleasure and reclaiming your sexy was born. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you telling that story and kind of giving context to your journey because I know we can just look at someone's persona on the internet and think that they came out of the womb like that. One question that I wanted to ask is like, you mentioned that this trip, you you said it was Brazil, right? That you went to? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you went to Brazil and you had like this beautiful kind of what sounds like a sexual body awakening for you. Who were you before you took that trip? Like, what was your relationship with your body like? And what were sort of the things that you believed about your sexuality before you went to Brazil? Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, you know, it's really interesting because um, my struggle with my sexuality and my body had more to do with my, my uh, sexual orientation than it had to do with, like, not knowing whether or not I was like, whether I looked good Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Because I think that growing up as a dancer, I guess my perception of my body was always in the frame of what can my body do and not necessarily how does it look. And so like, that was kind of how I measured my worthiness, I think. Um, So it's like, as long as I can still like, hit these marks, do this class, you know, like as long as my body is still like advancing in that way, I always felt some sense of worthiness. Um, so, but I never, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I, the piece of like my appearance didn't necessarily kick in until like, you know, maybe like a year or two ago, Mm. actually. Um, but before this trip, I was really struggling with embracing my, identity as a lesbian and as a queer woman. And, um, I came out very, very early. I came out at 15 and then like, you know, had a very traumatic experience with coming out to my family. And so I think that a a lot of the confusion was in trying to, you know, understand like, well, I have this desire to be with women, but I'm being told from like several different angles that it's not like of God or, you know, like that it's, there's just a lot of disconnect between like what God wants for me and like what y'all want for me. And then what you Mm -hmm. all are trying to, you know, tell me that is right or holy or good. And, um, 
Luckily, I actually had a mentor who, well, I have a heavy background in liturgical dance. So it's, it's always really interesting to talk about that shift from dancing in the church to stripping. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like polar opposites right there. (laughs) And so um, (laughs) that that was my start in addition to like formal dance training. But um, one of my mentors, um, his name was Anthony Hollins, and he was really like a father to me. And he was the first adult that I actually ended up coming out to. And um, he stood in front of our church, our congregation on the south side of Chicago in the early 90s when black gay men don't get up and talk about anything (laughs) other than like Mm. directing the choir or doing something artistic within the church. Um, It was like kind of be seen, not heard during that time. And he stood up in front of our congregation and he shared with them that he had contracted HIV and AIDS um, from having sex with a man. Mm. And he did this in order to start this conversation around, you know, HIV and AIDS in the black community and to get the church to like be proactive in, you know, passing out condoms, creating a support group and, you know, giving people the support that they needed, like spiritually, like when they're going through that process, but also just like doing some preventative care as well, especially for the youth within the church. And so thankfully I had that type of energy behind me um, as I was coming out. But um, even still with having Anthony kind of like in in my corner as a father figure um, and as a mentor, I saw the drastic difference between like, you know, like how... I'm sorry, my words are getting caught up, but like people loved him, but they were, there was still a lot of stigma and shame and like you know, just general ignorance behind like what it meant to be black and gay and Christian and Mm -hmm. to even have the audacity to claim that you could be black and gay and Christian and also be infected with HIV and AIDS and think that you, you know what I'm saying? And then want to be like active in the church, like just to have the audacity to live within those intersections and live loudly. You know, it made a lot of people uncomfortable, but, you know, it was kind of a guiding light for me and especially a lot of the youth that, you know, I grew up with that were, you know, were struggling to find their own identity as far as their sexuality was concerned. So as I was coming out um, and, you know, kind of trying to put this balm on it and using guys as my beard, but also still having some like really cool experiences that were, you know, that I was like into, but <laughs> I couldn't really define. I didn't, you know, the queer wasn't a word at the time. Like there was yeah. There wasn't language for that. And then also there was this, um, you know, there still is stigma behind being bisexual. So at the time I was just like, well, this is, I feel this way about women, but I'm also dating men. And, um, you know, so it's just really confusing and um, (laughs) a lot of teenage chaos. So that was, you know, that was kind of my life before this experience. But then, you know, once I got to Brazil and, you know, had kind of like this body awakening, it kind of put me more in touch with like what I actually wanted and what types of romantic experience I experiences I actually wanted to encounter. And that kind of like it stopped me from fumbling mm. a lot. And, you know, as time has progressed, like, I've been able to stand more clearly um, in my queer identity, in my identity as a lesbian. 
you know, another thing that you said in your story was that like, what happened in Brazil started to translate into what was happening when you came back home, like you didn't stop wearing your crop tops. Mm -hmm. I was curious to know about like, what, how were you received? Like when you came back to the States, and you were wearing your crop tops and your white pants, like in what ways did men receive you? And yeah, what was their response to you? I don't know. Um, they were fine. I, I, <laughs> they were fine. Like I was, I was, I think that coming back, like, you know, I had um, a few more encounters with men um, after that, but the way that I have experienced like being queer, like a lot of women are not like, I don't know. It's, it's just not the same when I'm, what I was trying to attract men, like where like your body was such a huge focus. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, like as a queer woman, my experience personally has been that attention to your body is there, but it's something else. It's like, I don't know. It's more holistic. I I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it. Like that attention, like I just felt grounded in my body. And I think the Mm. fact that I felt grounded in my body, it just translated as a, a, a different sense of confidence. Like when I was dating or, you know, trying to like talk to someone or having like a romantic experience, like with a woman. But, you know, as far as men were concerned after that, like I really, didn't have too many more encounters with them and like my body wasn't the focus of it um and perhaps because it wasn't a concern for me anymore you Mm, know what I'm saying yeah sometimes I think that it's like it gets really highlighted when it's a concern like in the past two years or two or three years like you know seeing how my body has shifted and changed um and grown it's been like I've been more hyper aware of how other people perceive my body. But I, after Brazil, that layer of inhibition was like, if, if it wasn't there before, it was like really gone after that. It was like, okay, mm. whatever. You know, like, I, like it took me so long to, because <laughs> in my work, like people would tag me in like, bbw stuff or like oh look at this plus size woman dancing or she's doing pole and for so long i was just like so (laughs) (laughs) i was like that's great yeah (laughs) badass you know so it's like it's it wasn't that it wasn't an awareness but i just wasn't like hypersensitive to it you know so Mm. i think i'd only get mad like if people were like oh you can dance really well for a big girl it's like no i can just dance really well you know like i'm a trained dancer you know what i'm saying it wasn't like that it just wasn't there but in the last few years I've, you know, as my body has kind of shifted and, you know, stress and this and that and weight gain, I've been more aware of like how other people perceive my body and treat my body and, you know what I mean? Or the commentary that they're making. And so it's been a really interesting journey. Um, Has that changed the way that you experience your body? Like, have you noticed that now that things are starting to shift with the way that your body looks, that you're inhabiting your sexuality or your body in new ways? Like, how has that changed it for you? Yes, it it, it definitely has. Um, I've had some some negative experiences in like my romantic life when it comes to 
talking about um, like weight gain and <laughs> um, it's been hard. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say that it's been really hard and it's opened my eyes a lot to I think that like I understood where a lot of the women were coming from who were who were definitely struggling with body image issues um, within themselves and also like in their relationships, you know, when it came to like not feeling sexy in front of their partner or feeling self-conscious about like having their stomach out or having sex with the lights on. Like I understood it, but these mm -hmm. last years have made that understanding more visceral. Recently, I was teaching a class and I remember we do like an intention check-in like at the beginning and you know I asked everyone like how do you want to feel when this class is over and I remember it came around to me and I was like you know I'd like to feel safe and I thought that it was really interesting that I was using that language that of wanting to feel safe um, and also being like in a long-term relationship and um I think that I had gotten to the point where I didn't feel as at home in my body as I was used to feeling. And then mm. also because there was so much negative attention in my home life around my body, it made me even more like it, it started to make me disconnect even more. And so the only time that I felt free was when I was in class and when I was teaching or when I was taking class with someone else. And I remember... I used to teach the class with no mirrors and I was like really diligent about like, I, you know, don't focus on looking at yourself, just focus on feeling. But then at a certain point I was like, well, you know, it would be nice to have mirrors just so that you can like see yourself and like see how beautiful you are in the light. And I remember one class in particular, we were doing like a freestyle improv and I had bought myself like some really beautiful lingerie to wear for this class in particular. And I just caught a glimpse of myself from the side in this red light and in the mirror. And I just was like, excuse my language, but I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, one, this relationship needs to end. Two, mm. you are like breathtaking. And it was almost like somebody else was saying it to me, like as I was looking in the mirror and I just, I, you know, I had been so hard on myself and so critical of like, okay, well maybe I do need to lose weight or maybe I do need to do these things. But it was like the experience that I had was like bumping up against the truth that had been building up for me. Like, I guess like since I started doing this work, like since that study abroad that, you know, that there's this internal, like, sexy that just is changeless, you know what I mean? Mm. And it's more about your vibration and your vibrancy and your joy and, you know, just the way that you're walking through the world. And that shines out over everything else. But then on top of that, like, I'm, you know, just acknowledging that I was sexy as hell. I was like, I'm sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm very sexy. Like I love these stretch marks on my stomach and on my arms. I love my thighs. You know, like I saw myself for the first time without the lens of someone else's voice on top of my perception. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It was, it was just, that was just like another wake up call for me that, um, you know, that it was, you know, time to transition and time to move on and that I couldn't 
if I couldn't feel safe at home, something was wrong. You know what mm. I mean? If I couldn't let my guard down at home, something was wrong. And I'm grateful that I had the space of our class and the space of the class of other teachers that I've worked with to be able to see myself again um, in the way that I believe that God sees me. Mm. I think that what had happened was I was getting so far away from the way that God saw me. I was losing all of the the goodness. I was going numb because I was believing this this false perception of me. That's what I love about you and your work so much is that you have this very obvious expression of just loving your body. I've definitely seen this connection of women and femmes using dance as a means to connect not just with their bodies but with their sexualities as a whole. I mean, you're not the first person I've interviewed over the last year who has said to me that using dance has helped them heal their sexuality or has helped them come to a sense of body awakening. And so there's obviously something really powerful here about this. And, you know, I've used dance a little bit um, in my own sexual liberation journey using pole dance. I think there's some people who are able to do those classes and can find dance classes in their area with no problem. But then there are some people who maybe they don't have the funds, they don't have good quality dance studios that they can go to. Like, how would you suggest someone begins this practice of using dance and body movement and just like loving themselves through getting to know the way that their body moves without perhaps using a class or being instructed? Like, is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's like our bodies, we move all day long. So creating a sense of movement in your life is really just about getting unstuck. That's the that's the point of the movement that heals us. It's and then when you add this air of like erotic or sensual energy to it, it, you know, it just slows you down so that you can reconnect to that sense of awareness, you know, in your everyday life, not just in class. So I would say if someone were trying to create like a practice for themselves, I always say start in bed. Hmm. You know, like when you're first waking up in the morning. A lot of times when we're like getting ready for a date or, you know, like we're creating a romantic night with our partner or something, we'll light candles and we'll put on special music and, you know, put the lingerie on or we'll plan something. And so I think that you just have to be that intentional about your own self-care. So perhaps like in the morning, you know, when you first get up, like maybe if you have some some small white candles or something like that are in your bedroom that maybe, you know, as you're making your morning coffee, you'll light those candles, you know, maybe sit for a few minutes and just like process and like, you know, you don't have, you can pray or meditate or whatever, but just sit in that silence and feel what's coming up for you. And then, you know, just do it, start doing like some slow, like movement or stretching with your body as you're kind of coming out of the bed, you know, like the movements that we're doing, it's, Obviously, like some of it's enhanced for the performance sake of it, but all of it's already really natural to our being, you know, mm -hmm. just doing like slow hip circles, you know what I mean? Or even just standing up and allowing yourself to like roll down to the floor like you're picking up a pin. But instead of just bouncing back up, you know, slow yourself down, bend your knees a little bit 
like take a few breaths and then roll up your spine and notice what it feels like to engage your hips, um, to engage your hips and engage your core as you're pulling yourself up versus just like, oh shit, I dropped the pin and, you know, and like it popping right back up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or even like when you're rolling over in bed, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that's such a beautiful stretch for your rib cage and for, your um, shoulder blades as well. Just like, you know, practice going from one side of the bed to the other. Maybe you're, you know, you're laying on your side, like in like kind of a fetal position. And so like stretch, like stretch your legs out as far as you possibly can. And then like roll your body over onto your back, like in an X and just stretch and like try to peel your fingers, your eyes, your mouth, like everything, just try to stretch it out really, really far. And then go back into a contraction in the fetal position on the other side. And then just notice like what that opening and closing, you know, what it does for you, like emotionally and physically, Mm. you know, that's something really simple that you can do. And even just like maybe laying on your stomach um, and uh, pushing your hips back into child's pose where your ass, your butt, I'm sorry, I'm talking like I do in class. I mean, if if you don't, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to use swear words, that's up to you, but say, say however you want to say it, girl. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, like just, (laughs) just, you know, laying on your stomach, but then like pushing your ass back onto your feet. Now for women who have bigger bodies, like I do, you know, you might not be able to do child's pose and like feel that actual stretch like all the way down so spread your knees as far apart as possible like you're straddling something or someone and then like try to pull your yanni to the bed and like and then stretch forward and you're gonna get a really good stretch like in your groin muscle along the length of your back and just breathe there you know Mm. so that's 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 a few things that you can do to just start to kind of wake your body up but even like like i said like creating the space yeah. for that energy of sensuality, lighting the candles, you know, saging your, uh, smudging your space down so that, you know, you're clean, cleaning out the energy and the bacteria and then, you know, lighting something like nice and fruity afterwards or like lavender or whatever, you know, just to like restore, a, you know, like a new energy and, you know, get your candles and maybe get a glass of wine that you like and play some really nice music like through the house like don't just wait for a special occasion to wake up your sexuality like Mm. if you cultivate that energy on a daily basis in really small ways you're gonna know you'll notice a shift in your body even if you don't go to a dance class because the point is that we're just operating from this place of tension and we're like okay I've got to go to work I've got to get this done I've got to send this email I've got to make the coffee get the kids to work like everything is go 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 but embodying our sensuality on a very simplistic level is just slowing down Mm. so that we can reconnect to our senses yes and our ability to feel it's in our go 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 that we numb out because you know sometimes we're filling our plate up because you know we have life we have kids we have bills whatever you know like we have to just be on the go but then there are other times where we are like glorifying busy because we don't want to feel because if there's too much silence if there's too much emptiness we you know all of the attention comes to our internal life and 
you know, that's probably one of the things people struggle with in meditation. It's like, there's all this silence. I hear my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even in like, in any sort of uh, sexuality practice, or even just embracing their sexualities. I mean, it's, it's one of the last things that often gets our attention. And I think there's something to be said about how busy we're keeping ourselves, the, the things that we're preoccupying ourselves with so that we don't have to go there or so that we can sort of avoid this part of us that wants our attention, that desperately needs our attention. I love that you just gave some really comprehensible movement pieces that people can do on their own. I mean, the thing, the way that you were even describing it, it was just so like, oh, I can do that. Like that, yeah. that seems so doable. Like doing a dance practice or some body movement exercises to tap into your body and your sexuality, it doesn't have to look like swinging from a pole. It can look like bringing sensual and sexual intention into the way that you move through the world, which I love so much and feels way more doable than, you know, taking class. a class <laughs> twice a week. People just don't have the time. I know I don't. I've been wanting to take pole dancing again for, I don't know, the last couple of years. But for whatever reason, it just it always slips my mind because I'm too busy. And so I love that you're giving us some tips and some practices that we can do on our own that don't necessarily have to be led by an instructor. Because I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that like our bodies have inherent wisdom within them, that they know how to move and they know how to respond to certain um, stimulation. You're right on track. And, and the thing is like, there's levels, right? There's levels to wanting to explore and embody your sexuality. And so getting into a class is like, I'd say like maybe like level three, level four, you know what I mean? Like you're now you're ready to make a commitment to like a learning practice. And I always tell my students, like, I don't know anything. Okay. I have a gift for wanting to teach. Um, that's something that I do feel like I've been blessed with, but I don't think that it's necessarily like, I've got this information and you need to learn it from me. You know what I mean? It's not, that's why I say that it's, it's, it, it's inherent wisdom to our bodies because I'm literally just guiding you, mm. you know, I'm, and we have a policy or like agreement in the class. It's like, do what feels good. If I'm giving you a signal that like, you're like, uh, I'm not feeling that listen to yourself and don't do it. You know mm. what I mean? Or like do something else. Um, and then by the time we get to the choreography and stuff, you know, once they're really getting ready to go into their improv and perform for each other, I'm just like, fuck the steps. The steps don't matter. They were like a vessel so that you could get out of your head. But now it's time for you to, you know, embody this in a way that feels good for you. Because at the end of the day, you can't be dependent on a class or a teacher because, you know, things happen, things shift and change and life happens or whatever. So you have to be able to access that for yourself. So my end goal is never to make people dependent on my work in order to have this experience. But with each class, you gain something that you can use at home. Um, that no matter what, if you know that if I do this slow movement or if I do this practice of, you know, creating space, I'm going to tap in in some way and then I'm going to be guided. I'm going to find the internal guidance to keep um, cultivating this energy for myself. Mm. So, like I said, I think it's all about levels. And like I work with a really small group of women each time that 
you know, I open the doors to this program and it's so that, you know, they can get like my undivided attention. We become sisters, you know, we've got a group text, like, you know, just so that we can, it's like a really hands-on experience and everyone doesn't have time for that realistically in their day-to-day life. And, you know, a lot of people don't end up working with me more than once and that's okay. They come to me when they need it. And, um, and then when they don't, they, you know, they go off and they cultivate on their own. And then when they need a refresher, they come back. So, you know, that type of cycle really feels empowering for me as a teacher. This is more about making that space for people who need the wake up call, because a lot of women who come to me are in a transition. Um, I have a few clients who come to me regularly just because they like to have the guidance in creating that self-care practice for themselves. But most women are coming to me because they're mid-transition. They're going through a divorce. They're going through a breakup. They're going through some major health crisis. Um, they've lost a job. They, you know, some There's been a death in the family. Something in their life has disconnected them from the woman. Aside from all the other roles, the wife, the mom, the business owner, something in their life has disconnected them from that full sense of being a woman. And they want to, you know, they want to wake up. They, they're, they're tired of walking around tired or unhappy or feeling unfulfilled or not being able to reach orgasm or not feeling comfortable in their body with their partner, like they're tired and they know something needs to change now. Mm. And it never fails when I ask people why they here. the stories that come behind it are so like, like, wow, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, I'm very glad that you're here and you know, that you're taking the time to do this work. And I don't think that everyone's at that place in their life all the time. Like I said, there's levels to it. And, you know, cultivating that energy in your home is just like maybe the first step. And then like the second step would be, you know, maybe taking some time to do something physical. It could even just be gardening or taking a walk or going swimming at the beach or something like that. The movement from class really translates as movement in your life. So like getting uh, your body going, like getting some momentum in your body so that you can, you know, really feel that sense of joy and that pleasure again. These are all little things like that you can do like on level two, just to kind of reinvigorate the, the flow kind of moving through your body. And then step three might be like, okay, you know, I'm like looking up resources to make my relationship better, or I'm trying to understand this trauma that I went through and I'm really interested in understanding, you know, or having a different perspective on how to heal from this. And then step four is like meeting a teacher, you know, that, that you vibe with and making the space because I'd have to say that the women in my class now, they don't necessarily have time, but because they are in a space in their life where they know they need it, they are diligent about making sure that they show up for it, mm. even when they're tired and angry and life is happening. Like they just, they know that right now they really need the space. And so they show up for it no matter what. The Sexually Liberated Woman is a podcast that celebrates sexual liberation. And since you're listening to this podcast, I think it's pretty safe for me to assume that you're already about that life. 
Maybe you're already on your sexual liberation journey and you're in this process of fully exploring your erotic self. Or maybe you're one of the many, many people out there who isn't at all at peace with their sexuality. No matter where you are on your journey, I can help. When I'm not doing this podcast, I teach classes that help women and femmes liberate their erotic expressions, and I've created a bunch of awesome resources to help them on their journey. I've written a book that'll ignite your sexual curiosity with poetry and empowered prose. There's a sensuality e-course that I created, which guides you into reconnecting with your senses and your sensual body. And there's also my sexual liberation coaching program where I've helped dozens of women and femmes step out of sexual shame and into their erotic power via one-on-one counseling, space holding, and fierce accountability. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to be sexually free, go to sexloveliberation.com explore and peep some of the resources I've made for you. That's sexloveliberation.com explore. Start your sexual liberation journey today, and I can't wait to witness your blossoming. I wanted to know, like, in what ways has sensual body movement and striptease helped you step into your erotic being as a sexual woman? You know, it's funny because, you know, I always relate my erotic self back to just my joy. Our sexuality is literally like the creative center of our world, (laughs) of our internal world. And also like, literally, it's the thing that creates life, you know, on this planet. And so I always relate my sexual self back to just like being able to feel that sense of joy and creativeness and, and, and feeling inspired. And, um, for me, when I am very diligent about making that space for myself and and moving outside of teaching, um, I'm just mm, I feel like unstoppable. <laughs> it's I don't it's 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 really hard to kind of put into words. Yeah, I feel like a very fierce protector of my of my spirit when I'm diligent about making that connection and when I get a little lazy or I get distracted and I'm not making that connection I notice that my my boundaries aren't as strong um and I'm not moving in my life in a way that I feel honors me if that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. because when I'm tapped into this like hurricane-like energy of you know being connected to my sexuality it's like it takes on a very protective energy of me. Mm. I know what I want. I know what I will and will not stand for. I know the things that I need to do. And so I'm just really on target with doing those things and, and creating that space for myself. But when I'm relaxed and I'm not in, tapped into that self-care practice, you know, I notice that I start to teeter on my boundaries and and, and creating like joy for myself. Like I just get really relaxed and very comfortable. Um, and it's not, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. Mm. But when I'm tapped in, like, it's not a whole nother person. I just feel like all of myself. That's beautiful. I love that. There was something that is kind of like on a totally different subject here, but I know that part of your work, you tend to marry the spiritual with the erotic. 
And I saw that you posted something on Facebook recently that I actually wanted to read to kind of ask this question. You wrote, women feeling sexually alive in their bodies is the epitome of communion with life force, with God. Any person, institution, or teaching that attempts to strip you of that connection is also attempting to strip you of your visceral connection to your spirit. And when you aren't connected to your spirit, you die emotionally and then physically. We came into this life to be alive, to be vibrant, to feel, to be surged with the power of pleasure. Don't allow anyone or anything to disrupt that connection between you and God. And of course, you hashtagged it with my sexy is sacred. I loved that so much. Actually, someone posted a screenshot of this uh, post on Facebook in this women's group that I lead. And um, one thing that I, I love about you is that you do marry the spiritual with the erotic. And I know that you've been talking. I mean, you alluded a little bit to Christianity and sexuality. But I guess, like, what does it look like to reclaim sexuality in a spiritual way? Well, I think it's first and foremost just recognizing that, like, there is no separation between God and our body. And a lot of what I, you know, consumed uh, growing up, especially growing up in the church, was like, there is a disconnection or like, sex is good for people who are married and like, that's it. And you only explore your sexuality like once you get married. But outside of that, there is no other relationship or other awareness of your sexuality. And there shouldn't be. Because if there is, then somehow you are deviating from God's plan for your life and la 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 la. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I have a very heavy background in liturgical dance, which I think also influences my teaching striptease. Because with liturgical dance for me was always... Um, you know, um, a way of communicating a message of healing through movement for someone else to receive. Um, And so in the church, like especially in the 90s, like dance in church wasn't a thing. Um, It definitely wasn't a thing that people wanted to really accept or, you know, utilize. And so our church was kind of radical in that sense that we were, you know, kind of one of the first ministries, especially on the south side of Chicago, to like integrate movement as a part of the worship process. Mm. So when we first started off, we were wearing like just like flesh tone tights, a, a white leotard, long sleeve and a white skirt. Our hair was pulled back, you know, and we we just danced and it was fine. And then progressively as, you know, dance in church started to be more accepted, there were all of these rules all of a sudden about what, and it was predominantly like girl, young girls or women who were doing the praise dancing. And so all of these rules all of a sudden started coming up about what we could wear when we were ministering. And so we had to, now all of a sudden we had to have on socks and shoes and leggings and tights and pantaloons on top of those leggings and tights and a skirt oh my god and a leotard and like a tunic on top of that and all of this this clothing and attire that they were like demanding that we wear in order to dance and so that we didn't distract the men in the congregation with our bodies mm. and the conversation was always um 
we don't want to we we don't want to distract anyone or pull anyone into temptation um, if they see your feet out or if your breasts are moving or you know whatever. And I remember it just it just always sat with me wrong, like even just like as a a young girl. Well, why are you having making us responsible for someone else's like? thoughts and their limitations and you know obviously like as I got older I realized that that's kind of the root of rape culture is making the person who is the victim responsible Mm -hmm. for the actions of the other person or their thoughts even and so you know slowly I started to like distance myself from that but I realized that the experience that I was having with praise dance was this this very intense and visceral level of communication with God and when I moved my body and when I stepped into that worship space, I felt so free and I felt so liberated and I felt at home. Like I was, it was like I was sitting in heaven when I danced. And so being in that place, kind of letting the movements just, just, you know, flow through me and just delivering the choreography in a way that, you know, was very intentional and focused, like, because it was supposed to be a healing, a healing practice, like you're dancing for the healing of other people. And so, you know, I wanted to take that energy with me into this class that I was creating, because at the root of it all, it's just about being able to feel a sense of freedom and a, a sense of liberation and a sense of peace, you know, in your mind, body, and spirit. And over the years, uh, I've been introduced to more radical Christian thought leaders who have have given me more perspective um, into, you know, specific scriptures that people like to use when they're trying to shame women's sexuality and whatnot. And I remember one of my teachers was sharing with me um, just going back to um, Genesis when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and like they were both naked. They were created naked. And when they ate the fruit from the tree, they immediately covered up their bodies. And the first thing God says to them in the scripture is, if not, what are you all doing? Like, or how dare you disobey me or whatever. But the first thing that God says is, who told you that you were naked? Like, who told you that your body literally is something that's not of me? Mm. Who told you that there should be shame in this thing that I literally created? Like, you know, a lot of people have interpreted this text as like, Eve is this (laughs) horrible (laughs) entity that just pulled humanity away from God. And it's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Those evil, evil women always fucking things up. (laughs) Always fucking things up. Like, how, how dare you? No, that's not, that wasn't it it's just like the fruit symbolized our picking up shame Mm. and our picking up disconnection and our picking up um running from intimacy with god and i believe that we have we experience our sexuality on three levels with ourselves, with our partner and then with god and it's in the class through the movement and the stripping down on an emotional level of the the baggage that you come in with and then using, you know, our movement and then like literally removing pieces of clothes as like an intentional way to like remove the obstacles that prevent your spirit and your heart and your mind from being in like intimate communication with God. Mm. And 
when we're in that place of having an intimacy with God, we remember who we are. We remember our power. We remember that we were created in his, her, their image. We remember that we are powerful. We remember that we are because he is. You know what I mean? Like we remember yeah. like about who we are. And at the root of all the teaching that I do, it's just about getting women back to that place where you remember that this thing, oh God, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to cry. Like this thing is, it's changeless. Like no matter who messes you over, no matter who leaves, no matter what job you lose, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter what your body looks like, no matter what anyone is saying about you, no matter what stress or drama or trauma you're going through in your life, at the end of the day, nothing can ever rip you away from being this beautiful, loving reflection of God. Like nothing can ever destroy that. Nothing in this world is ever powerful enough to take that away from you. And so when we're stripping, you know, with our clothes, we're just stripping back the the perception that something could take that away from us and getting back to that place of intimacy. And it's in that place of intimacy where we're just, where we are, you know, fully alive. Damn. <laughs> Damn. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I could talk to you forever. I mean, I still have a million questions to ask you about all the things. Yes. <laughs> but uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Ask me all the questions. Okay. <laughs> So my first question is, describe your last orgasm in a word. Ooh, um, um, succulent. Ooh, succulent is one of my favorite words, by the way. Oh, yes. Ugh, it's, like, <laughs> Mine too. It's, it's one of those words that like, it sounds the way that the definition is. Oh, mm -hmm. I love it. If your sexual energy were an animal, what would it be? A gazelle. A gazelle. Ooh, tell me more. Why? Funny story. It's actually, um, my nickname is Rashi. And my mentor, Anthony, at his, at his service, <laughs> the way that they described him was as a gazelle dancing through heaven. Mm. And I met this man some years later who came to a show that I did. And he ended up knowing, knowing my mentor. And he kept calling me Rashi. And I was like, why does this man keep butchering my name? <laughs> 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 and so finally I looked it up and Rashi means little gazelle. And Whoa. I was like, yeah, I believe it's in Swahili. Wow. And so I was just like, ooh, like that was a kind of an outer body experience for me. And but then I realized like in the way that I teach and the way that I feel when I am tapped in to my most erotic self, I don't feel like raunchy and like, ah, like in your face. I just feel like smooth like like mm. wind like moving through crevices you know what I mean and that's the way that when I think of a gazelle and the way that they prance and the way that they leap like it just that just kind of is you know what I think it embodies <laughs> I love that I love that that's the first time I've heard gazelle I've heard wolves I've, I've heard cats but gazelle that's a new one I like that I like that a lot who are some of your erotic muses well, 
I have I have a slight obsession with Beyonce. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I have a very slight obsession. It might be more than slight um, with Beyonce. Um, I just love how she has like developed as a woman and her voice and the work that everything that she's creating. Just I I'm here for it. Um, definitely. I don't know if she would be considered a muse for me, but like Esther Perel's work is like, yes, when I, you know, I can listen to a lecture of hers or read, like reread one of her books and just like, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm back on track. Yeah. I love Esther Perel. I love her book, uh, Mating in Captivity. That was like, that was life changing. Yes, absolutely. So you're a dancer. So this question I feel is absolutely required. I would be shunned if I didn't ask you this question. What are some songs or what is a song uh, that gets you in the mood? Or because you're a dancer, what is a song that you like to dance um, erotically and sensually to? Curating playlist is like my (laughs) one of my first loves. I'm really feeling Childish Gambino's new album. There's a song, there's two songs on there, Redbone and Me and Your Mama, that are just, yes, Alabama Shakes really, like, goes there for me. And then um, Maloko, um, there's a song, it's called The Time Is Now, it's the Gambino Casino remix. Um, and I can also, like, send you the links to these. Yes, please do, so I can do some sexy dancing to it myself. Yes. Absolutely. And then I've been really in like a ludicrous, like, oh my gosh, I, f- <laughs> I love ludicrous. Yes. Why are we talking more about his albums? Because his albums were gold. Like I can listen back to them and they like they haven't aged at all. Not at all. And it's so funny because I was like, listen, there's a song called Freaky Things on like one of his first albums. And I'm like, oh, this just reminds me of high school, like me taking my CD player with me on the bus. Yes, I remember those days. Song on repeat, like yes. it was the best. And then also like, what's your fantasy? Like, oh my God the best <laughs> I love that but I'm also I have like this um I have this fascination with trap music right now and like the way that the bass hit my body and just like mm. it brings out a different energy you know like a lot of my movement is very slow and elongated mm. so like put on like trap music like Chief Keef or um Big Sean um Ludacris you know like that music just it just it hits my body in a different way and it, it pushes my limits to uh, explore something a, a different side of my expression. This is my last question for you. Who are you as a sexually liberated woman? What does that mean to you? Being a sexually liberated woman for me goes back to not being someone who tolerates mistreatment or who tolerates being tamed whether from society or within interpersonal relationships. And just being a woman who's willing to do the hard and sometimes lonely and risky work of like, of following my pleasure. It's not always cute. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't always feel the best sometimes, um, especially when you're trying to navigate that internal world. Um, but it just, it makes me feel like, um, 
it makes me feel like I'm doing the spiritual work that my spirit was called here to do. And sometimes that means that I'm a little bit isolated in doing it, but I'm doing my work. I'm answering my calling, you know? Yeah. It makes me feel grounded and connected to something like very magical and otherworldly. Like I feel like there's power in my footsteps. You know what I'm saying? When I, when I walk, when I'm tapped in and power in my words, because it's coming from a, like a creative place that is not barren. That's very active. Like the, there's a scripture and it says, break up the fallow ground in your heart so that you can actually receive the water, the washing of the word. And like, if you try to plant a seed in a ground that is hard, it's not going to grow. So when we break up the fallow ground, we're literally breaking up all of the, the hardness, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment. Mm. It makes me feel grounded and alive. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rashida, for sharing your story and for coming on here and giving us such potent wisdom about body movement. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I do feel like we could talk for a while. I know, right? <laughs> Rashida Conbey is a performing artist and striptease teacher based out of Chicago. You can learn more about her work and maybe even take a class of hers by going to RashidaK.com. Thank you for listening to the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or leave a five-star review on iTunes. As for me, Evian, you can find me on my blog, sexloveliberation.com, where I write essays about sex, sensuality, and erotic power. I'm also on Instagram at evian.whitney, that's E-V-Y-A-N period, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, where I'm capturing moments of brazen femininity and sexuality throughout the day. And if you want to be a sexually liberated woman, go to sexloveliberation.com slash SLW, and maybe I'll be chatting with you about your journey of erotic empowerment someday. See you in the next episode.